Welcome to this episode of Tea with Triggy. It's great to have you here. This is a podcast where I catch up with friends and people that I find fascinating. I check that they're doing okay and ask for tips to help us stay at home more comfortable. My guest this week is a former child actor turned director. Last year he gave us the Oscar-winning Rocketman. It is the wonderful Dexter Fletcher. Uh, hello. Hello, my darling. How are you? I'm lovely. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Very, so good to good. talk to you. So good. So I know you've just come back from a very exotic island, haven't you? I have. I snuck off. Me and me and the missus. We we thought if we don't do it now, we might never have the chance. What with everything no. that's going on, and and there was a window and a corridor. So yeah, we we Excellent. took a bit of a gamble, and, well, you look and it was very lovely. well. Thank now, you have so you much. got your cup of tea, more importantly? I, I do have a cup of Earl Grey. Yeah, I've got uh, lemon and ginger. Oh, well, yes, yeah, so you're going for the healthier option. It's very smart. Oh, yeah, well, I don't always. I do like my builder's tea, actually, every morning. Well, actually, I have a mixture of... Um, I do one tea bag of English breakfast and one of Earl Grey. Do you? With a bit of... Yeah, it's nice, because Earl Grey on its own is lovely, but it's very, very flowery. A bit of bergamot in there, is it? Bergamot in yeah. there? Yeah. But yeah. that's strong. If you've got so, two tea bags, you can stand a spoon up in that. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm running around all day. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. It's meant to be relaxing, cup of tea. Anyway. I know. Anyway, you're looking very well. Well, you know, I've been in the sun. It was lovely. I extended the the summer for a couple of weeks. We we got away to Greece, and of course, there's nobody there, and and um. everything's. They're trying to keep it all open. There's lovely museums there in, in Athens with the with the Parthenon and all the all the artifacts they've got, and the, the the museum's empty, and there's 20 people up, you know, at the Parthenon, and you know, you wander around. It was lovely. I mean, it's a real, it's a real treat, yeah, actually. Fantastic. It's a real honour to see it in that way. We were sort yeah, of... brilliant. And also, you've been a bit busy the last few years, so it must have been lovely just to chill out. <laughs> yes, I've had a, I've had a fairly full. It's true. I have the last. I think this year, obviously, it's been a bit quieter. But yeah, the, the three, four years before that, it's all been a bit of a, a bit of a whirlwind. Yeah, it's all. It's been unbelievable. Yeah. But I have to say, what you've been doing is extraordinary and wonderful. Yeah, lovely, thank you. I mean, you must be so proud of Rocket Man. Yeah, I I am. It's such a bloody good film. <laughs> I thank you. I, I I am. Of course, I am, and I'm 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 dead proud to be a part of it, and and you know to get a chance to do that work and work with Elton because I didn't know him before or anything like that, and you know, and you suddenly. What's lovely is when the success start to come. When you you know you do stuff that people respond to, you start meeting people that you really adore or idolise, or you know, you just that you want to meet and and that's like one of the really really lovely things um so yeah well they were very lucky to have you because not all bi biog yeah. films are as good as that are they well, i mean we've all seen the kind of not so good ones i mean it was it was i mean the, your angle on it was so beautiful i love the way that you know they got into the songs mm-hmm. it, i was just brilliant. oh thank you yeah and your cast were amazing I mean, yeah, Tyrone was extraordinary, wasn't he? He, he is extraordinary. I, I saw him again. I haven't seen him since February, actually. And we just we went and snuck off and had a dinner before um, the other night, and I hadn't seen him. But and, and, he, and I forget, and he's so 
he's so giving. I think that's the way he's that he's one of those wonderful actors that he puts it all out there, you know, and, and it's uh and he works so hard and he's so passionate about it. But that but for that particular project as well, it was so important. But I think for the one he did before Eddie the Eagle where we worked on it as well, where you think, Oh, he's the perennial loser, you know, he <laughs> kinda do you know what I mean? He sort of made him really endearing and lovely and you're rooted for him and he's got... Because Taron's got this really sort of exposed kind of energy in a way, you know what I mean? Some people... Yeah, and, it's, and also it must be, I mean, taking on a character is, you know, it's part of an actor's job, obviously, is, is difficult anyway and, and, and finding them. But yeah. to take on playing somebody as famous as Elton, that must be yeah. really scary. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, he... he he, he was lucky he got on really well with Elton. I had a sort of more kind of a technical relationship. I'd go and have dinner with him and just interview him about, you know, his life and stuff. Mm-hmm. But but Taron and Elton sort of connected on a completely different level, I think. And and I think Elton so loved him as a person yeah. and and shared so much with him. But it didn't become it didn't become a character that you know, you have to be careful with that doesn't become a caricature of the person you're playing. And he was totally believable and oh, he was wonderful thank you yeah i think that was part of the choice we made was like let's do our version of him and not do an impression of him yeah do you know but that I mean? must always be the trap that you mustn't fall into i would think i mean i don't know yeah I've never, played, I've never played a real life character but i would think that's the danger especially if yeah. they're so visual as elton is and has been for the last <laughs> 50 odd years yeah he's, yeah he's, he's certainly been about a bit people definitely know who he is <laughs> they definitely know who he is they've got uh, Elton Elton. is there any other Eltons that I know um, Ben Elton no not for quite the same thing uh, I, I actually it's funny because we're kind of from the same time zone really and we we don't really know each other well I mean we bump into each other like you do at yeah. news and always say hello but I think the first time I met him there was a wonderful, um, I mean, she's probably not with us anymore because she was an older lady then, but she was a kind of primitive painter called Emily Crisp. Mm-hmm. And Elton loved her work and I loved her work. And we were both at her, where was she? She had a funny little house in like a suburb of London. And we both turned up one day to buy one of her paintings, okay, which were the- very inexpensive. But she, she, I think she'd had an exhibition and... and and her work was so sweet and so, and I bought one of a lady hanging her washing out. Yeah. And that's the first time I met Elton, and he was so sweet and so kind of normal. But that, I'm talking a long time ago. But so but, that wasn't um, an event, that was just, you just happened to turn up at her place at the same time. Yeah, I, think, I think there must have been, I'm trying, I mean, I'm talking over <laughs> 50 years ago. Yes. Um, I think there must have been a small exhibition of her work. Right. And, um, and he'd seen it and I'd seen it and, um, that's the, the first time I actually met him. And, you know, and he was a big star then. It's probably the late 60s. Yeah. I mean, it did it happen to him really overnight? I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like it says in the film, in, in in America, he broke first. And then and then he came home and it all sort of started happening. So, but I think it was really quick. And he was very young as well, not unlike yourself, I think. You know, that overnight kind of... Yeah, I was 16, when did wow. he first break? I'm trying to think. Was it he was late about 60s? Seven, yeah, late 60s, early, uh, very, very early 70s. I think like 70, he played the troubadour. I think it was, uh, if I'm, my memory serves. 
he he was knocking around Tim Pan Alley and, and and Denmark Street and all of that for for a while before that at Dick James's office. He was like a postboy and stuff like that running about and 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 Dick was a great supporter of Elton's from like you know uh, but like sixty five onwards. So and he and he did have an album out before in the UK in England before he went massive in America that was that was really badly recorded and you know uh, but they they kept plugging so it's possible we when you were 16 that what year would that have been you were 16 if that's not a rude question uh 1966 when i was kind of plucked from <laughs> bronze kilburn high school and thrown out to the world is, is that what it was someone plucked you out of school well, I was a schoolgirl, and they didn't yeah. pluck me out. But I, right. you know, that it happened so quickly to me. You know, one minute I was at school, next minute somebody photographed me and sent me to see a uh, somebody in a magazine, and 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 they sent the picture to them, and they sent me to have my hair cut, and that was the kind of the big moment when I had my hair cut in that little boyish right. crop. Yeah, yeah. And then a journalist saw it because the, the hairdresser hung my picture in his salon to plug his hair cut. <laughs> wow, I, I see it. And she said, who's that girl? I've never seen her before. And, and the hairdresser said, oh, she's a schoolgirl and her nickname is Twiggy. She said, I want to meet her. And that was kind of a week later, I was like all over the press. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> well, it's a great story, isn't it? <laughs> but, I mean, it's the Cinderella story, well, it isn't it? Have you, happened, know, it's, it? It just, you know, you couldn't actually, like most stories like that, you, you couldn't plan it. There's no way I could have at that age. Number one, I thought I was the most peculiar look. I hated what I looked like, like most teenagers do. Mm-hmm. You know, I was skinny, no figure. I hated what I looked like. I was this yeah. funny little thing. <laughs> so. When did you start acting? How old were you? Well, I was six years old, and I, you know, I had older oh. brothers, and and I, yeah, and I, I, and my nan had a dance school down in Oxton, and 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 there was a drama club. Uh, where where a load of kids used to go in Islington, like Phil Daniels and uh, Pauline Quirk. I don't know if they, you know these a little bit older than me, uh, but but I, yeah, I I went to this this drama club. It was all improvisation. It was kids just sort of swearing at each other. Little Islington was a <laughs> Islington was a bit of a different place from what it is now. Fifty. I years say ago. terribly posh now, darling. Terribly terribly nice now. Good schools and all of that, but then it was full of tearaways in my. <laughs> But we we'd go there and I, but I but I did like extra work. But really, it was Bugsy Malone when I was nine. Alan oh, so Parker. I was, you went. was that the big break? I, I suppose it was. I'd been doing other. I had had stuff. I'd been doing some films for the Children's Film Foundation, which was like a Saturday morning pictures that they don't have it anymore. Saturday morning pictures. I know. It was great though. You'd go for you know. 5p or whatever tuppence and you'd go and sit and watch cartoons all morning in the cinema throw sweets at each other yeah yeah, big sweet (laughs) fights it was great it's really good yeah absolute mayhem can you imagine being (laughs) being an usher in saturday morning pictures oh god nightmare but it was great fun wasn't it all the kids talked and laughed through it all didn't they it was it was capable there was there could have been like three adults there if that and you know (laughs) 60 70 kids just (laughs) Watching Flash Gordon. 
Yeah, it was. But doing Bugsy Malone yeah. must have been so much fun, was it? Yeah, it was. It was. Oh, it was great because we were group. playing the grown ups, you know, and there was all the the cars that we got to drive, and we all dressed up as grown ups, and and the and the sets were amazing. He built. Well, the whole film was amazing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a classic, isn't it? Really? Yeah. yeah. There's, no, there's no other film like it, actually. No, no. That I, mean, I can and, think of. No, no, there isn't. I mean, there was. I tell you, it's funny. I tell you, the one time it's, it's a connection vaguely I have with you is that I I did a film with Ken Russell, oh. right? Right when I was about nineteen or twenty, I was in one of his films called Gothic. Oh yeah, and um, and it was quite an experience. I wasn't in it much, but I was a young actor, and of course, worked with Ken. I mean, you know, you, you, I, I was going to ask you about it. I wanted to ask you about him as well, anyway. But okay, but um, uh. But I, I went and spoke to him and when I was auditioning for him and I spoke about Bugsy and he started speaking about some black, old black and white films back in from Hollywood back in the 30s or something where there was all just kids in it. It might have been where Shirley Temple found, but they, but they were all kids playing adults. Because I, and he, and he, and I, I'm sure I should go and have a look and try and find them. But he was the only person I've ever met who went, oh no, there's, there's definitely some films of kids playing adults, but it's like old, they're like shorts or something. Oh, how interesting. But Ken Yeah, because Ken had a great knowledge of all that. I mean, you know, I always look upon him as my mentor, really, because... Yeah. When I met him, he changed my life. But how old were you then? How old were you then? When I did The Boyfriend. Yeah. I was 19. Wow. You know, and up until then, I was just modelling. So from 16 to 19, I, you know, I was modelling. I was very happy. I was travelling the world, working with amazing photographers like Richard Avedon, Bert Stern. I was lucky. I caught, I was very young, but I caught the tail end of all those great, I think, great photographers like Avedon, like... Stern, like Helmut Newton, like, you know, Norman Parkinson. They were all, you know, middle-aged men or older men. But I, because I was so young, I, I just caught them before they either retired or right. went to another place. <laughs> but um, but Ken, when I met Ken, you know, he, he obviously saw something else that, that he wanted to do with me, which was do the film. Yeah. And he then started to introduce me to all that kind of era of wonderful films in the 30s and the 20s. And his knowledge of that period was extraordinary. So I'm sure if he said there was a film like that, because he was like a walking encyclopedia. And he was a bit nuts, but that's why he was so wonderful. Did you love working with him? It was an experience. I mean, I was 19 and he, and he decided that one day he was going to shout at me and make an example of me, which he, I understand now in hindsight, you know, because obviously because he, he did it to people. He'd obviously want to, you know, sort of lay down the law and let everyone know that he's still in control. And that's something you have to do as a director. I get that now. But at 19, being super sensitive and like, oh, you know, but look, I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't playing the lead or anything like that. I was Gabriel Burns' uh, valet. You know, I, it was. I it wasn't anything that. Uh, so for a long time, I kind of I wasn't sure. But you know, in retrospect, I mean, I, when I was doing Rocket Man, one of the first films I went and watched was Tommy. Oh, interesting. And there's no doubt about the influence of his work on that film uh, and him. Well, I think the influence of his work, whether he, he Ken always said, which is true, he said people either love my work or they hate my work. Mm-hmm. He said there's not really an in-between. He said, but 
He said, that's what I love. I love to get reaction. He said, what I don't want is people, if they're watching it at home, to go out and make a cup of tea and a sandwich in the middle of the film. Yes. They'll either turn it off or they'll be stuck, you know, watching well, that, it. Of course, exactly. That my, Which my, is I'm, true. Yeah, yeah. My dad was a huge... There's a film that he made about Delius for the BBC. That, Song of Summer. Yeah, my dad's absolute favourite piece of work. Yeah, with Chris Gable and Max Adrian, who was in The Boyfriend with me. Was oh, right. Very okay. old. Okay, yeah. But, um, no, I think his influence on British filmmaking is huge. And, and, and really, towards the end, before he died, he, you know, he was... He wasn't really recognised or honoured the way he should be. After he died, they all mm. came out and said, "Oh, he was brilliant, he's genius, and yeah, yeah, late, mate." Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think he, you know, because of the way obviously he behaved with you, which you know he shouldn't happen, but as you said, it does. No, I don't. Uh, you I know, don't... I think that he upset lots of people, lots of producers, lots of money men. You know. Yeah, this is this is the other thing. It's like my other great. The person I really look up to is Alan Parker, who who recently died. Yeah, but he, know. you know, he was a sweet man. He was a sweet man, but an absolute tyrant when it came to oh. the producers and studios. He scared the shit out of them, and he didn't ah! take he didn't get take any crap from them whatsoever. He was very wow. combative and very argumentative, and because he knew what he wanted, and he yeah. and he and he didn't take their opinions of what the creative process are, is yeah. particularly seriously. And well, Ken, Ken was like that, actually. Well, that, that's, that's what it is you're talking about. But you do, make, you do make a lot of enemies. I've never directed, but being the director, you've got to hold together some of your integrity, otherwise it becomes something else. It has to be the director and, you know, the, that close team of writer, director, cinematographer. It has to be their vision, doesn't it? It, absolutely it does yeah and and it's and it's really tempting you know to 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 just squander that or let that go because the pressures are great and you know you get burdened with well there's not enough money and how are we going to do that come up with a solution to this and there's solutions that they're looking for to dilute what the intention or what the vision is you know because the the money men are looking for the lowest common denominator and 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 what makes ken or parker stand out and memorable and, and, and great directors in their own right is that they didn't do that, that they stuck to the vision and so people go, oh, this is a, a voice and a vision that, that's, that gives me something that, you know, doesn't just go, oh, yeah, I'll go and make a cup of tea. But the pressures are enormous. And it's interesting as coming from an acting background because as an actor, you tend to want to please. Do you know what I mean? It's, you're not generally... <laughs> Going fuck that! I'm a you know washer. You go oh yeah okay I'll make that work. That's right. Do you know what I mean? It's I'm sure it's the same even you know with the modelling stuff as well and the acting. It's a similar. Yeah, you know you want I and I I personally I I would find it because Lee, my husband, who you mm. know, mm. well that's how I first met you because you did what did you can you remember what you worked on? Were you a little boy? Were you a little boy or a teenager? I was a I was I was fourteen, so technically I was oh, teen, you, teenager, but I was but I was little. He might remember what it was. I, can, I saw him at the Sheffield Crucible. I was working on a show at the Crucible. It was forty years ago, uh-huh. and he was there visiting someone. Oh, so so you didn't actually work on a film with him. No, not that oh, I recall. No. Oh, okay. Oh, so I see you met him there. Yeah. Because he always said how lovely you were and how you know. I, do, I every time I see you, I, I my my mum's like, oh, that's Lee Lawson. Oh, that's Lee. I mean, my mum was like <laughs> gushing over him, and and I was like, and then every time I saw him, he was absolutely lovely. And I think he and I just, you know, we just 
really like each other. Yeah, just I do. I think I thought it was great. I thought it was great then. I think he's even more great oh, now. Anyway, that's nice. Because yeah. um, yeah. there, I know. I know you were very close also to the lovely Alan Rickman, weren't you? Yeah, that was the show that I was in with Alan there at the Crucible. Oh, I see. Yeah, that was then, and um, he he's someone who really you know helped me and i'm sure you you yourself you know there's people along the way isn't there that... that's one of my questions to people is because my men my person who changed my life yeah was ken because oh, right. you know i was happily modeling i'd have gone on modeling till i was too old and wrinkled yeah. to do it you yeah. know because it's really a young person's game modeling but ken kind of changed my life i'd never thought about singing or dancing or acting you know i was quite happy popping on a good frock and working for Vogue. It's amazingly accomplished though. Do you not watch it now and are you not chuffed with it? I mean, I mean you're 19, you've never done it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm glad he cha- I'm glad he changed my life, but that that's why I always ask is there somebody so your person was Alan, was it? Well, uh, he's certainly someone who championed me and and when I was going through tough times because my my very young start kind of uh when I hit teen, my teenage years, I really didn't know who I was or what it was about, and and I I really went off the rails, and and um, he he always kind of, whenever he saw me, helped me keep some sort of belief or faith in myself. But I really attribute my my comeback to my for, to Dahlia, who I met my my wife, who I met because of Alan. Alan put us together. I, oh. She came from Lithuania and was directing a play at the old Red Lion up the road from where I live, theatre pub, and and he, he put us together. So and then we sort of through the course of that job fell in love and yeah, fell in and, love. You know, we just got back oh, from Greece last week. That's lovely. Well, he, he was a very very magical special man. He was. But we only knew him as a friend, but but um, a great friend though, no, wasn't he? I mean, you. Yeah, a really good friend, really. And a wonderful actor. Oh, yeah. And very unique. There was nobody like Alan, no, was there? No, no. No, there wasn't. And He made, he, he played the best villains. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he made it an art form. I mean, it's like you couldn't he do did. better, you know. He... And it's so funny because he, he was the most unvillainous person you could meet, wasn't so, he? So sweet. Yeah, so generous. And, and Yeah, kind. yeah, exactly. And it really was to us, you know, at like one time when we first, when Dara and I first moved into our little flat, we had no money and he came round. We, we'd, we'd sublet this flat from a woman who'd got it off a housing association. So it wasn't the, it wasn't the most glamorous place in the world off the Harrow Road, it was. It was, it oh, was yeah. a really grotty little place and Alan came around and went oh my god I mean it was really untidy it wasn't great but it was, we all could afford and um and then a couple of days later there was a knock on the door and some bloke was there like oh yeah I've come to do the carpet and and Dahlia said well I don't know what you mean he said yeah I've come to do the carpet and Alan had just paid oh. for the whole place to be recarpeted oh and you know so and sweet. and without saying a word about it, it was just that sort of you know that sort of consideration that you know he had that kind of yeah. That sort of love is oh, really yeah. Yeah. special sort of thing because I would never think to do that, <laughs> you know. But that's that. Well, it's a wonderful thing. To yeah, do, absolutely. But I can believe it. You know, that's such a lovely yeah. thing. So you, you know, a lot of child actors they either don't transfer into adulthood acting or they get become very troubled or you know, yeah. it, it doesn't really work for them. It, it was that a really hard transition. I think yes, it, it was for me. I mean, I, I, 
you know, I, I, there's different ways of looking at it. But I, I mean, I certainly, you know, I know some kids don't do it because it's like the par- the parents make the choices for you when you're a kid. Do you know what I mean? You're going to play the piano or you're going to do football or, and it's not unusual that maybe, you know, when you get to 15, 16, you go, oh, I don't do that. I want to do what I want to do. And you, you sort of strike out on your own. But I did want to do the acting, but I'd never really felt like I'd had, although I'd worked with all these amazing people, uh, you know, uh, Rickman and, you know, uh, Parker and, and, and all these fantastic... I didn't really feel like I had any training that I could draw on. And I and I went ended up with the Royal Shakespeare Company when I was, like, 18. And, and there's Ken Branner running around doing <laughs> Henry V and, and I'm sort of charging about just... I think, you know, I just don't know what I'm doing here. And, and so I, then, I really did... Really, and it was, it was full of wonderful people and, and uh, it was a great experience. But I think it took me a long time to actually believe that I, I, I knew anything about it, about the craft. And I could, mm. you know, uh, uh, do something that wasn't just me being a cheeky kid, you know, because that's... Yeah, you yeah. Know, what, Although you were brilliant at doing that. I, mean, I was good um, at the cheeky kid, yeah. I was a <laughs> cheeky kid all day long. I'm still doing it now, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't ever lose that. That's, well, that's, that's, that's your charm. <laughs> that's my charm. I don't think I can. But, but no, so that was good. And then, of course, I got into the drink and the drugs and all of that stuff because you try to escape from it. You know, though I did, I sort of, you know, all that self-doubt, which is what it is. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we as performers live with self-doubt don't you yeah 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 you, you exactly but it and that and that's what i've come to realize is like that's okay that's part yeah. of the process that's actually why you're there and I, and it and i hope that it helps me as a director because i see that in the actors that i work with and i and it's like learning it from someone like alan it's like that's really okay it's not to be fought against it's just to be navigated through but actually that's where the root of your talent is going to yeah, and also it, just coming from the other side as a performer, if you've got somebody that you love and respect and think is talented, if they believe in you, it gives you huge confidence. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. when, you know, when I met Ken, I'd never sung in pub. I'd sung in the school choir. Yeah. But, you know, and I could sing in twit tune and I could read music, but I'd never thought of doing that. But because he liked the way I sang and because he thought I could do it, you think, oh, well, you know, maybe I can. So, I mean, you take a huge leap of faith, really. And when I, you know, I, when I went over to New York to do a big Broadway musical, I mean, that, that was blooming scary, I tell you, going out in front of that audience. Yeah. But because I had a director and a co-star, Tommy Tune, who was like the toast of Broadway at that time in the 80s, because he, he said to me, of course you can do it, you'll be fine, I'll look after you. Yeah. And he co-directed it with Mike Nichols, who, a bit like you on um, Bohemian Rhapsody, didn't take a credit because he wasn't the original director. Right. He came in to fix and to help because the original director fell out with the producers and Tommy and things. But because they have faith in you, it, it gives you that courage. I mean, it was really scary. I don't remember opening night. I was so scared. But I know we got to the end because I remember the, the applause but it was <laughs> absolutely nerve-wracking i'm sure it must have been terrifying but i remember when tommy rang me because we tried to get a film going after the boyfriend like a like a fred and ginger type film mm. and we couldn't get the money raised or you know whatever and so 
10 years went by and then he rang me and by then he was this big Broadway director. He'd done so many musicals that won lots of awards, like nine and mm -hmm. oh, I can't remember all the whole list. But anyway, he rang me. So he was very hot and he rang and he said, we're going to do our project and are you free, you know, next? next year and I said oh yeah when do we start filming he said no it's not a film it's going to be on Broadway and I said oh my god I can't do that and he said to me it's really good to remember he said there's no such word as can't pack your suitcase and get over here in January we're going to do it yeah and he was right and I was scared but I knew he had faith and I knew he believed in me and that Mike believed yeah. in me yeah uh, and, you know, that, we that, had a hit show. Uh, yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's it. You know, you actors, when or performers, when a big thing comes along, first reaction is like, oh, my God. But then the next reaction is, I can't. I, I, you know, and you've got to <laughs> say, remind people that they absolutely can. That's why he's making the phone call. He's not phoning you because you can't. He's phoning you because he knows you can. When did you decide, did you decide to switch? Well, you did haven't stopped acting, I know, but when did you decide to take up the, did it kind of happen by chance or did you sit down and think, I really want to direct? And it did more. I mean, I for many years when I when I was going through this very strange period of, of transitioning from being a child and not mm. knowing, I started with my brother like a, a, an acting workshop for, for young actors that I knew in a, in a, in a, in a community centre in Highgate in an old okay. church in high and we'd, and every monday night we'd go and and do acting exploring with you know these other actors and so i'd been doing that for quite a few years and that had fallen away but i had done that and i directed in them i suppose but then i i got into doing a bbc tv show for a few years which was great got me and dahlia nice and secure we bought a little place that was great and we got a bit of money finally after a few years and then that finished, so I started writing. And what it was, I, I when I was a kid, I, I got to know Bob Hoskins quite well because Bob Hoskins' girlfriend was in the theatre of that show I was talking about where I met Alan Rickman. So Bob, Bob would hang around there a bit. And, anyway, I got to know him as a kid, and he said, we should do a film about a bloke who gets out of prison and finds his kid living alone and they start robbing houses together. And I'd always remember, that was a great idea, and I'd always remembered this. Cut to 40, I'm 45 years old, I'm sitting at home, I suddenly haven't got any more work. So I go, I'm going to write that idea that Bob had, you know, I'm going to start trying to write it. And I, and I wrote it with a mate of mine, and it developed into this really lovely idea about a father and son and his two kids, and it sort of changed. But anyway, I had this script eventually that I'd co-written. And um, and I met this woman who wanted to produce it. And I think she thought I, it was going to be like Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels because I was coming off the back of that very successful mm -hmm. gangster London yeah. movie. Brilliant, by the way. Yeah, great film, you know. It's a great film. Yeah, it's a great little film. And um, so she went out and got the money and then just assumed that I was directing it. I just wanted to get it made. I thought I'd written it and, uh, you know... But she assumed I was, I was directing it, so I thought if I contradict her, it might not happen. So I said, yeah, yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, I'll, you know, use a bit of a cheeky charm and, and went, yeah, yeah, I'll direct it. And then, but, and then worried about it afterwards, you know. And, that's brilliant. And then I cast all my mates and, you know, there were some good people in it. And then I made this first little film and I had just the most amazing time. I just felt so excited. I was back on set. I kind of knew... You know, I don't know about you, but it's funny, like, because I've been doing it so long, 
it's like that's where I feel I know who I am best when I'm working. When I'm, do you know what I mean? That that environment, yeah, I really. Well, there's also the kind of Lee always say. I mean, Lee is, you know, he doesn't do like as much as he used to, but he said what's lovely about it is that family. Mm-hmm. community thing that usually happens with a theatre show or a film mm-hmm. and there's something wonderful about that because yeah. everyone's there everyone's nervous, everyone wants it to work yeah. so it, be, it forms a, a wonderful special bond Yeah, and usually out of those bonds you usually stay in touch with at least one or two people I mean you lose touch with a lot Yeah, but all yeah. the things I've done over the years, there's usually one person that has been I've really clicked with and you just stay in touch and stay, you know, which is, which is lovely. And I, there, there is that lovely feeling when you sit down for that read through and that you're absolutely scared to death, but yeah, the excitement is amazing. What was that film called? Oh, my first film was called Wild Bill. That film was called Wild Bill. Oh, can I you get gonna... it? I, I'd love to see it actually. I'll send you it. I'll, I'll send you. Oh, I'd love to see. It. I think you. It's, it's really London. It's really. Because I have to tell you. Yeah. I'm going to be very sycophantic now, but oh. Sunshine on Leith is one of my favourites. Um, I I found out about that from my daughter, Carly, who's grown up. She's in her early forties, who absolutely loves you and your work. But oh wow! And she told she rang she said, "Mum, you've got to see this film." She said, I've, "I I cried all the way." <laughs> <laughs> and so I watched it and I cried <laughs> actually I watched it again recently and I cried again really? it's so bloody brilliant if anyone out there listening has not seen Sunshine on Leaf wow. you can get it on all those channels wow. that you go on that's, the telly that's, but I'm so is, chuffed it is so but I tell you why it's brilliant mm. they're really I think they're really hard to make work when people burst into song yeah and you, you, oh, it's, it's, it's magical. Yeah, but the, but, the, but the girlfriend does it that the same way as well. You never sort of, it's, it, it comes out of that dramatic moment. It's not kind of like, da 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 and here comes the song, you know, it's. But harder in the modern, modern day setting, in the boyfriend, yeah. you know, we were, it was camp and it was like yeah, 20s and it's too boopy-doo. Yeah, yeah. But it's harder in a modern setting with two kind of butch Scottish soldiers. Yes, they were, who, yeah. I mean, them. it broke, broke my heart and, and Jane Horrocks and, and. Um, Pete, Pete Mullen. And Pete Mullen, unbelievable. Yeah, they are. And the very... songs. Unbe- it's unbelievable. Anyway, congratulations! Well, it's very... one of my favourites. Well, I'm thrilled to bits. That's fantastic. I haven't seen it in a while, actually. But, oh, but again, go and watch it again. It's. I tell you, have a box of tissues though. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, 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 but, the, but the first young guy I cast was um, young Scottish guy because one of the guys went on to be in 1917. George Mackay. I say the, the the kind of lead one. Right? Yeah, yeah. What's his name? George Mackay. That's right. Yeah, lovely, he went lovely, on. To, yeah. yeah, lovely yeah. young guy. And, but and they the, were both. They everyone was wonderful in that. Yeah, they are. They're all good. And I and I yeah. and I was casting. It got younger and younger, and I really liked that because they were all so energetic and 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 doubtful. You know. And the, how you shot that last scene of everyone dancing? It must have been a nightmare, was it? In the middle of, in the middle of Edinburgh, was it in the middle of Edinburgh? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we, we, we were we were just praying for sunshine as well because because the thing is we sh- we had a weak exteriors in Edinburgh, but all the rest in all the interior stuff and the little streets is all Glasgow. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. So, but we, I, I was like, it's called Sunshine and Leaf. It's got to be sunny. It's a musical. We've got to have, you know. And so we had these long range. So you put a call into God. Yeah, just we've got the hotline on for the big man upstairs. So if you give us a week of sunshine, that'd be. But we did. We were looking at these long range forecast, weather forecasts. I remember the producers, Andrew McDonald, who's a Scott, lovely guy who produced Train Spotting. He's a great, oh yeah, yeah, great yeah. mate, great guy. And he was like. In our window is six weeks of shooting because we didn't have a lot. He said, "There's this. It looks on the long-range forecast like there's going to be some sunshine." <laughs> so, uh, all right, okay, we we and it did. It panned out, and it was amazing. And then, and we did all that dancing in the streets, and all the locals, of course, are going about their daily business, and they all stop and look. And it had to be. It's really basic that dance number at the end because we didn't have a lot of. Ch- we had five hundred extras, oh, but it's magical and it's so uplifting. It's, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It was a great. Oh, thank great you. Well, I'll, I'll send you Wild Bill as well. It's uplifting in no, a different I'd, way. It's, I'd uh, love to see that. So, how did you get working with Guy Ritchie? Because aren't you doing something with him now? Aren't you? No, I was. I'm. T- I'm. I'm taking over from something. He's did. He's did these one. These Sherlock Holmes one and two. He's done with Robert. Yeah. Downey. So you're going to do that the next. I'm doing one. the third one. Yeah. <gasps> Exciting. Yeah, that is good. But I've got <laughs> something else coming up as well. Uh, that's that's an old a thing called the Saint. Remember the Saint with uh, oh, yes. Roger Moore. Yeah. Very uh, well. Yeah. So I'm. I'm got. A, so I'm, they're, they're, they're sort of the two in contention, which is which is kind of Well, great. they're going to do a movie of the same. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do yeah, a movie Yeah, actually, I yeah. think they've tried to do that over, over the years, haven't they? I think about 15 years ago yes, there was they, buzzing yes. about they're going to remake the same tour. Yeah, yeah. But they, this would be a movie, not a yeah, telly. They did do a movie of it. 20 years ago with Val Kilmer, but it didn't it didn't really oh. do very well, yeah. It's um, a great idea, though. But it is kind of cool. It is. I'm trying to sort of, like, get to the... I mean, we're going to set it now and, you know, not not back in the... the well, the first books are in the 30s, in fact, 37, 38. They say he's a forerunner of James Bond, you know, he's a bit... Well, it was, really, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, I, rem- I remember it. So when did it go out, the series go out in England? It must have been in the 60s. Uh, yeah, it must be because Roger Moore was the first guy and, yes. that, and that was before he played Bond. That's right. Because it was the old black and white series. And then somebody else played it, I'm trying to think. Ian Ogilvy. Was a Ian guy Ogilvy. Ian, Ian Ogilvy. Right. Yeah, good that's actor. Right. Great actor. Um, but, we're, yeah, we're going to modernise it and bring it up to date and have a bit of fun with it, you know, make him a bit loose, make him a bit of a, a vagabond, you know. Uh <laughs> But but yes, yeah, so guy. But guy uh, Richie, I met twenty uh, over twenty years ago now. It would have been and um, Lockstock was this tiny little film that had no money and that just took off. Yeah, it was just it was one of those amazing moments, and you'll be able to relate, I'm sure. We when we when we made it, we had no idea what it was going to be like, and we met this designer called Oswald Botang, who makes these amazing suits, and he said, "Guys, will you do my fashion show for me?" He made us all these lovely tailor-made suits, and Ozzy uses these incredible colours, and these linings are great, and his sharp lines, and you all look great. Oh, God, free suit. Look at this. I've never been given free gear. I was lovely. And there was the four of us, the four. He's like Jason Statham and Nick Moran and Fleming and me. And we get these suits on, and we're in bank, right, in in the city, and they've got like the old, they've got the Bank of England, and they're doing a, fa- we're doing a fashion show there for some reason. I've got nothing to do with fashion, no idea. So we're all backstage, and, we're, and we walk out onto the onto the catwalk or whatever it is, and the place goes absolutely mad. 
Like they, they, the roof nearly came off because the film had just come out and we were Brilliant. just and we looked at each other like oh we've really <laughs> we've really stumbled into something here and that was like the start of it and there was like just a couple of months where everyone was nuts for it and it was just the most exciting you know well wonderful you know feeling. there hadn't been an English film anything like that it was I no, mean the no. only one I can think way back that which I think you were involved with. It was Longwood Friday with Bob Hoskins. Wow, yeah, know? yes. I was very, very tiny in that. Yeah. Yes. But was... that had that kind of, you know, the gangster, the London, yes. the kind of That's... that edge. And there hadn't really been anything since that, had there? So I think when it came out, it was like, woo! Yeah. It really whacked you, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, that you caught it brilliantly. I, the, the Longwood Friday is the one that everyone's still trying to capture somehow. It's the benchmark, you know, it's yeah. the... Uh, well, we are, we were love. really close to Barry Hanson, who produced it. You know, oh, right. Friend. It's Sadly, uh, such no a great longer with us, but um, no, but Bob he was right. quite a you know a revolutionary producer actually, yeah. and took chances and you know. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I wonder how much that, that film cost. It kind of cost a great what, deal. Long Good Friday. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It, I mean, a couple of million quid probably. Bob Hoskins. Well, that made him star, really, didn't did, it? Did yeah. And Helen Mirren, who was amazing in it. She was. Amazing. Yeah, she was amazing in it. The other thing I want to ask you about was working with Spielberg on Band of Brothers, because that was huge. It it was. I mean, he was a little bit removed. It was more Hanks, actually. Hanks was there a lot. Tom Tom directed an episode. Um, but, but he, he produced, produced it, right? He did, yeah. And, uh, um, and so he was there a couple of times at a, at a great distance. And then when it won a Golden Globe, he was there. And we all... We all <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, oh, I'll have that. It's a good picture of him holding the Golden Globe. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't come into contact with him as much as I did Hanks. And Hanks, direct his directing style was something that was really interesting because he, he's very energetic and you know it comes as an actor as well. And there's something about actors directing that I think you know, you half want to jump in there and do it yourself. So there's this kind of excited enthusiasm, you know, that, that, that people kind of get a lot of, uh, feed off a lot. And he was really like that. I, I, you know, he, and I really enjoyed, he was the one who always used to go, this is where the magic happens right here in the eyes, guys. This is where the magic happens. And it's, and he's right. True. It's true. You know, and, and it's something that I sort of have lifted even to this day with when you want to get people excited and get them focused and, and, Get them away from their their doubt and stuff. Well, I wanted to ask you about the Blues Brothers. Oh, well, I was I was only in it for like if you blinked, you'd miss me. It's a very good moment. Um, isn't it? I mean, I was thrilled to be I was thrilled, thrilled to be asked to do it, but because um, they were huge at the time, you know, yeah. they they came out of Saturday yeah. Night Live. And they were huge. And I flew up, they flew me up to Chicago. I was only, I was there for like, well, I was meant to be there for two days, I think, because I had that one, there was a scene in the yeah. car and then the scene at when he, I get stood up where he doesn't right. turn up, Dan Aykroyd. So it was a tidy little thing. But they had loads of, you know, they had Aretha Franklin. Yeah, they had yeah. loads of people doing cameos. So I thought, oh, I'm going to do it because I love them I, so I love, I love and, seeing um, you in it, but yeah. <laughs> and I and Dan, I got to know quite well. It was lovely. I didn't really get to know John Belushi because 
apparently he was in his um, caravan most of the time, unable to really move. Uh, it hurt his leg. He was obviously it, it... Take, taking things he shouldn't have been taking. And I can remember I was up there for a week in the end because they had to keep pushing back because they couldn't get Belushi out of the caravan. Oh, he was that bad, was he? He wasn't. Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't, I was sad, obviously, when that, so I, I, I mean, I met him. I said, of course, alone. of course. Uh, but he was obviously not in a good way and um, really, really sad. And what a waste. Yeah. What a yeah. waste. But but it... Um, I was just going to say, is it, it's, a, so, I just, it's a fantastic idea, sorry, just, you know, just to have you there in a gas station and him giving laying on the charm and you, you being like, <laughs> who's this chancer? And then, of course, then you're, you're there stood up later. It's, then he's yeah, standing yeah. up. <laughs> what, a, what a slick move. Uh, <laughs> What it, an was, idiot. it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. But listen, I was very flattered to be asked, as we all are as performers. You're always yeah. very flat, you know, because people say, oh, well, it, you must be used to getting that. And you say, no, yeah, yeah. I'm not, because it's lovely when people think of you. And it's very, very hard for some, when you're very, very well known, like I, I am, <laughs> you know, I've been very well known since I was 16. Yeah. It's it's sometimes hard for people to kind of see you in a different way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm very thankful to Ken because he obviously saw something else. And, you know, for somebody to give me that chance, it was extraordinary, really. And so was there a long rehearsal period with it? I mean, you know, generally with for films... Yeah, as a rule of thumb, it's like you're in. I mean, even um, when the musicals I've done, I've never felt like I've had enough no. rehearsal well, I think my memory is... We shot a lot of the interiors of the theatre down in Theatre Royal Portsmouth mm -hmm. to get all the backstage yeah, stuff. Yeah. Because I think the shoot wasn't that long. I think it was about two months, three months at the most. And then we went to Pinewood and did all the um, musical um, fantasy numbers. But, you did know, you? some of them are amazing. That one where Christopher and I are dancing on that record. Mm hmm which he took from an old period 30s film. I mean, it's I kind of took, and it's it? the end of Rocket Man, it got cut out as well, but they're dancing on a record as well. Oh, really? Yeah, in Rocket Man oh. for Honky Cat, but it, it didn't make the final cut. It's in the DVD extras, but yeah, we do the top shot of them going round yeah, on a record yeah. with all the dancers. Yeah, well, I think Ken got that from the Busby Barkley thing. I'm sure. Which was, he, he was obsessed with Busby Barkley and all those. Yeah, like it feel, does feel a bit like a bit of a love letter to that period and those those yeah, films, isn't yeah. it? And was it a show before then? Was it? A... Oh yeah, it was a big musical. Oh, and actually, the guy who wrote it, Sandy Wilson, mm. he, he hated the film, which I understand because Ken, you know, the thing is, if you're going to turn as well, you, well, you did it with Sunshine on Leith. I didn't see the play. But no, you, you sometimes have to change things to make it work as a film. Of course you do. And they they tried to make Boyfriend as a film. For years. Yeah. Because Julie Andrews was in the stage show and it made her a star oh, back in the 50s. And they were going to do the film with her. And they, the, the script, because it's a kind of a pastiche piece on stage, mm -hmm. it's quite hard to turn into a real-life drama. So Ken had that idea of having a, like, a really bad amateur company. Yeah. Well, not amateur, but yeah, yeah. Um, rep company doing a rather bad version of the boyfriend on stage yeah which is why it was so funny yeah yeah and all the backstage going on but sandy wilson you know who wrote it didn't wasn't happy but 
You can't please everybody. No, you can't. But that's the thing about bringing it to film. Like you say, you, he's got to come with a vision and an idea that actually makes yeah. it work. Because if it was work simply as a as a transfer from the stage to film, it would work. But it, it don't. You it know, it don't. So it you have to come up with someone like Ken, who's going to go. There's a way to do it, and this is it. You know, yeah. and that's what's that's the vision, isn't it? Anyway, can I just ask you how, how have you dealt with this last year of <laughs> the virus and it's been weird, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been weird. It has. I Did mean, you have a project you were going on to? That... Well, this is interesting because because I've been talking to people about this and and for me, I came out of all the publicity and all the release of Rocket Man and. And it ended with the Oscars, really, in February, you know, when Elton scooped his Oscar and that was all fantastic. Yeah. And we'd done all the Golden Globes and we'd done the travelling around the world and absolutely exhausted after it all because, you know, I finished the film and literally we were at Cannes the next week and, you know, it just sort of went on throughout the... Anyway, it was a big old year and the idea was always to take this year and kind of just you know, hold up a bit, work on what the next project is, yeah. And and generally when you're developing, you're at home on your computer at reading and going to exhibitions if you can and, you know, sort of trying to keep your your creative mind rebooted. And, and um, so it, it's not affected us massively in terms of our work. It's just everyone you talk to, you know, you don't sit down at dinner with people, with friends anymore. You know, there's lots of Zoom calls or there's calls like this where you talk to your friends over. But sitting face to face with your friends and, and talking and being in, in the atmosphere and the environment, that's the thing that's been... Weird, isn't yeah. it? I really miss it. Yeah. I really miss it. Because yeah. we're, we're like you, we're quite outgoing people and it's lovely to share views with people. And, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I, what I found really hard in the beginning was not seeing our kids you know mm -hmm, i'm sure and our grand we've got grandkids now so not seeing them was yeah purgatory yeah has me. that changed did was there a window well, where, pardon well i was gonna say was there a window where you could see them a couple of months yeah, ago or something? in the in the summer do you remember when it eased off yeah and they allowed families to see each other so but that was four and a half months and i was used to going over to carly my daughter's you know a couple of times a week if i wasn't working yeah because I love being with her and I love being with the kids. And she had a new baby in February, so I was desperate to be there, you know, and help. Of course. Wow. Because, that know, must young be mums need help. Yeah, yeah. That must be so hard. <laughs> but at the moment, we can't see them at the moment because there's this new lockdown. I know. I, I, I don't know. what My mate's got five kids. And I said, what are you going to do for Christmas? One of them you'll have to put in the basement because you're only allowed to have six people. What are you going to do? <laughs> What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed not allowed to be all together. Put it down in the coal hole. Yeah, exactly, down in the coal hole. Be fine. He's got out, he's escaped. <laughs> Put him in the shed. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I, so... I, I mean, it's you know, me and I are we're fairly self-sufficient. It's the pair of us, and we love it that way. You know, we're we don't have kids, and you know, we've got. Our, but, uh, but you've got each other. Listen, I yeah. I think anyone who's been lucky enough to have a part, you know, because Lee and I have got each other. Yeah. I mean, although we couldn't see my, you know, my daughter and grandchildren and his son and grandchildren, we had each other. Yeah. What well, must have been really and is still very hard are people who haven't got somebody. Yeah, it must be That's, tough, yeah. It's, it's tough. true. But hopefully, I mean, one has to be hopeful and look forward. Hopefully sometime next year they'll... 
come up with a vaccine. Yeah, yeah. And we have to just find a way of yeah working working with it. What's there and yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what the answers are, but in the meantime, all we can do is is be sensible and responsible enough to yeah. get it back to because if we don't is we'll spend all the time fighting it just on a day to day with people being irresponsible rather than being able to figure out okay how do we move forward do you know what i mean because they're, they're only prolonging it that's what's yeah. stupid yeah yeah Any... if everyone adheres to the rules hopefully we can fight this bloody that's, thing that's what it feels like to me maybe it's naive or you know over, overly optimistic but it feels like yeah let's why don't we give everyone a chance and you know Put the energy in because you couldn't actually out. really do a film at the moment, could you? Because I mean, people are filming, they are. But I don't know how they're doing it. I, I'm not sure either. I've seen some stuff here and there, but I mean, we tried to get it going and it, and it just it was just impossible. And I know that stuff starts and then someone gets it and it has to close down again for two weeks. You know, there's insurance issues. I and, say the insurance yeah. must be unbelievable, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine how. It, well, I don't think the insurance company. What the insurance companies are not going to do it, are they? Because they're in no. in a hole for millions of dollars, you know. And so, yeah. um, but I, there are people doing it, and we'll figure it out, I suppose. There's yeah, still... I hope so. Well, you know, and I hope I just hope the government help the arts a little bit better because you know that would be good. I'm sure you have actor friends and people that you don't see in front of the camera, but you of know, all part of it. You know, really struggling. But the thing is, you really know, they're really struggling, and it is a huge part of uh, of GDP as well. You know, it's the thing. It's like there's, there's a massive amount of money is generated and work, and it's it's, it's huge. Uh, and what it does, our creative output has been, you know, we've been world leaders in that respect. <laughs> you know, as you know, since the the fifties and the sixties, we've always been doing something that, you know, kind of was on the world stage, weren't we? You know, it's and and to just ignore that and go, oh well, that that doesn't really count. I don't I know. know what does it. It makes it makes billions of pounds for generates for, for many many people. It's it's crazy. Well, they have come up with some sort of package, but I don't think it, it helps everybody, does it? I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I well, that's the other thing. It's so hard to work out what they're doing and what they're not doing yeah. and what we're meant to do and what we're not meant to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm so confused. Yeah. And now there's all these different layers. It's very confusing. But anyway. Have you read any wonderful books during lockdown? Oh, I, I read a lovely book called Wake Up, Sir, which is a great, funny little book that I really loved. Um, what was it called? Wake Up, Sir. Wake Up, Sir. Yeah, American author. It's a very funny little book. Oh, okay. But um, what we did do, we went to the Artemisia exhibition at the Sainsbury's Wing at the National Gallery the other day. Oh, yeah. And you go online and you get your times... And you get your face mask and you go at 12.45 or whatever it is. But she's an amazing Artemisia. She's like a contemporary of Caravaggio and all of those guys. Oh, how wonderful. And she was this incredible artist who was sort of raped when she was 16 in Italy and became really militant and angry. And then, oh, there's you know, your next film. Yeah, and then, they took her, <laughs> and then they took it all to trial. And the day after the trial, she got married to some other bloke and oh ran God. away to Venice. And, you know, I mean, it's like, she's incredible. Artemisia. Yeah, she was. Wow. it's a really, really great exhibition if you get a chance. I know you like your art. I do. Well, it's been lovely, lovely, lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. I adore you, Twiggy. I just can't tell you. I'm so thrilled when you said, let's have a cuppa. <laughs> well, I'm a huge fan, and I just thought it'd be fun to talk to you about all your lovely projects and your life. I mean, 
lives are so interesting to me the the ups and downs and the ins and outs and and it'd be lovely when we can to have a a real cup cup of tea or a glass of that'd wine be, and a dinner yeah that'd be well, we'd I'd, we'd love that we'd really love that you know and when you do get to london or maybe when the things ease up a bit we'll yeah. come and see you yeah well, well, maybe, have, maybe next year when it please eases off a little bit well we don't know do we we've just got to hang in there yeah Anyway, stay well. You too. Give my big love to Lee. I'll let you know if I get the film going. Yeah, do. Do. And send me um, Wild Bill. Wild Bill. I yeah, will. Yeah, I want to see that. that All right, great. deal. That's a deal. All okay. right, good. Lots All right, of love. Lovely. Lots of love. Bye. Oh, that was great. I love hearing people's lives and their reasons for changing careers. It's brilliant. He's such a lovely man. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dexter as much as I enjoyed talking to him. If you've enjoyed listening to Tea with Twiggy, please take a moment to give us a lovely five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast so you auto-magically get the next episodes for free. And do tell all your friends and family about it too. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. just heard a stripped media production.